Shalom. Welcome to the Christchurch Jerusalem Bible Study, where we wrestle with God's Word. For more information on the church, to listen to sermons, to contact us, or to make a gift, visit ChristChurchJerusalem.org. You are invited to a unique trip to Poland, formerly the home of the largest Jewish community in the world. Join us this August as we embark on an in-depth study tour of this once vibrant Jewish community that flourished for almost 1,000 years before its tragic demise. This tour, led by David Pelegi, will take us through a wide swath off the beaten path through eastern and southern Poland, from Warsaw to Bialystok, from Lublin in the east to Krakow in the south. We will visit beautiful medieval cities, castles, synagogues, churches, and abandoned cemeteries to better understand the historical context of the Polish Jewish experience and the ways that Poles and Jews have deeply influenced each other. We will not ignore the traumatic events of the two world wars and will devote a considerable portion of our time to discussing the final solution. We will use the insights of historians to help us understand why and how so many ordinary Germans became willing accomplices in the murder of Poland's three million Jews. This study tour is designed to help us better our prayer life, sharpen our stand against anti-Semitism, and hopefully give us more courage to be faithful witnesses as Christians in our opposition against the idolatry and deceptions of our day. Join us August 6th through 17th, 2022, for this walk through history. Land cost is 1,749 euros, less than $1,900 US. For details and to register, visit narrowbridgetour.com. Narrowbridgetour.com. Brothers and sisters, welcome to Christchurch, Jerusalem to our evening study. We are in the book of Leviticus, which is the Holiness Code, a book that is too often uh, relegated to history and to the past, yet it's actually applicable today because we are also called to be a holy people. That is, right now, we are called to be a holy people. So these words are true yesterday, today, and forever just like our God. And we acknowledge the Holy Spirit is present. It's present with me, present with you, and those that are listening. And uh, the best way we can do that by acknowledging his presence is to pray. So Brother Mordecai, our, uh, our rabbi in Jerusalem, pray us in, brother. Yeah, dear Father in heaven, we are so grateful for this evening's study and our brothers and sisters from all across the world please bless us pour out your spirit so we may learn your ways and your dwar elohim your your thoughts and your words please bless our leaders please bless our studies and please bless us health happiness and the holy spirit and guide us enlighten us strengthen us in our faith we say this thing in the name of jesus the messiah amen amen all right, as is our tradition, we uh, go over the notes from actually a couple of weeks ago because we were quite, quite busy. I uh, hope you all had a, a great Independence Day. 
okay, um, we did. Uh, my son was uh, asked to guard a tomb of a soldier on Mount Herzl. And uh, so that was actually quite an honor for him to be able to do so. He had to research the fallen soldier so that people who visited the grave, he could explain who he was guarding and why he was guarding him. And uh, so that was great. That was a great, uh, great honor. So here are the notes, brothers and sisters, for Leviticus, the last verses, 26 to 37 of chapter 19. And it began with the issue of blood. Now, the consumption of blood was and still remains a part of the spiritual traditions of many pagan and indigenous cultures. Many cultures to this day still partake of the eating of blood. So we have heard from the Lord through Moses that life is in the blood and life belongs to God. And once again, we are given the prohibition from eating it. Now, this strong exhortation against the eating of blood is carried through into the new covenant with the inclusion of Gentiles into the commonwealth of Israel. How? Well, following the council of, Israel, of Jerusalem, Gentiles are included in the prohibition against the eating of blood. This warning against blood is followed closely by the warning against seeking wisdom from the spiritual world, that is, consulting mediums and diviners. The root word for enchanter, which we read in our text, is nachash, which also means serpent, as in the serpent of the Garden of Eden. There is a demonic connection to the hidden realm. And while we are also defended and protected by unseen angels, there exists also for us an enemy. The spiritual world is real. We can contact them and they can contact us. But we are not to engage in seeking his wisdom or omens of the future. Unfortunately, there can be an overreaction from the followers of Jesus to not engage the spiritual realm at all. Yet spiritual, spiritual gifts are given to the body of the Messiah for the benefit, edification, and mission of the community. As Paul admonishes us in 1 Thessalonians 5, 20-22, we are to test the spirits, not ignore them, test them to ascertain which ones are true and which ones are false not to avoid the subject altogether. We should not be ignorant of the strength of the enemy and his cunning. The power of the Nachash in the garden was not in military might, but it lies in, scheme, in lies and schemes. We are to avoid him at all costs, but seek the word of the Lord. We are called to distinguish between the sacred from the profane in all things. And this includes in the spiritual realm. God calls us to be a holy people. And this call remains the same in both the Hebrew Bible, which is the Old Testament, and the Greek Bible, what we call the New Testament, the Brit Chadashah. Although, to be fair and to be honest, the term Brit Chadashah, which we find in Jeremiah 31, doesn't mean the New Testament Bible. Does that make sense? The new covenant is the new covenant that God makes with Israel. The New Testament Bible, well, that's the Bible. Those are two different things. Does that make sense? 
the covenant that God makes is not, here's a new, uh, new Testament, go read it. It's something else. We are to look, behave, act, love, and forgive differently than the world. Thus, God directs the people of Israel to dress differently, eat differently, and maintain bodily hygiene differently from the surrounding nations. The Israelite males of the community are commanded to refrain from tattoos and maintain some length of hair on the corners of the head and the beard. Today, this is noticeable in many Orthodox Jewish men who keep long payot and trimmed beards. Although, according to our Chabad Nikim, especially our resident Chabad, as long as you can like put two fingers together on a hair, you're doing just fine. The call to holiness includes protecting female family members from sexual exploitation, something our current culture has totally failed to do. Am I my brother's or sister's keeper? Yes, absolutely you are. Immorality is linked to the uh, pollution of the land itself, not only the pollution of the soul. Sin stains not just ourselves, but also the very ground itself. The Sabbath and the temple are presented once again as aspects of holy places and holy time. Holiness is altogether personal, but it is also communal, it is spatial, and it engages in time. So if we seek to progress in holiness, then one aspect of that holiness is to engage in holy time. Again, something our 24-7 world refuses to do. The enemy is crafty indeed. Holiness includes respect for the elders of our community. Moses instructs the Israelites to stand before those who with gray hair, giving honor to the mature amongst us. Yet this, is connect, yet, this is connected to honoring parents and standing before God. However, we are also to honor the maturity and the experience that the elders can provide for our communities. Wisdom and experience are invaluable in the physical world, that's true, and in the workplace, and also in the spiritual realm of faith. God himself, though timeless, is identified as the ancient of days. So he himself is identified by a name wrapped in time. In our current world of low birth rates and aging populations, we will be tasked to honor the elderly more and more. Holiness is also an action we undertake in relationship to the stranger who is amongst us. The Israelites are commanded to treat the stranger, which is the ger, as, they, as though they were a native-born Israelite. Now, why would the foreigner be in the land of Israel in the first place? Perhaps he is conducting business. Perhaps he is using the ports on the Mediterranean coast for transport. Perhaps he is attracted to monotheism and he has been drawn to the light of the God of Israel. Abraham is also called a ger, and Israel is also said uh, to be a stranger in Egypt. Ger is the term often used to describe a convert to Judaism, although not exclusively. And technically, Gentiles who convert are actually supposed to be called Jews and not reminded of their former Gentile status. So it's not always clear when we read the term Ger 
are they referring to proselytes or are they still referring to Gentiles that are now just attracted or sojourning in our company? Holiness is linked to the exodus from Egypt. God is always describing himself as the God who brought the people out of Egypt. Now, holiness is linked to the exodus from Egypt. Thus, it has a redemptive nature to itself. Holiness is somehow also redemptive. Engaging and practicing holiness, as we have been learning in the Holiness Code of Leviticus, reflects and participates in the redemption we have and in the calling to be a holy people to the world. Finally, we are called to conduct holiness in our business practices. The Israelites are to use honest scales, weights, measures, and quality when doing business, not only with each other, but also the stranger. Just because these commands are given to Israel in the wilderness does not excuse present-day Gentiles from dishonest business dealings. Just because God says to Israel, you be honest, doesn't mean to Gentiles you can be dishonest. In the new covenant, the Torah is on our hearts. And so these commands remain the call of the Lord for us. Interestingly, chapter 19 concludes with God reminding the people that it was he who took them out of Egypt. The command to be holy, to distinguish between the sacred and the profane, is always drawn from the context of redemptive history. Redemptive history is not relegated to the past, but it is present. It is ongoing. We are in the process of redeeming the world. Our personal, me, you, our personal, communal, us, our personal, communal, and spiritual holiness should likewise be a present reality and an ongoing walk with the Lord. That was a bit of a conclusion from um, a really good chapter, the highlight of Leviticus. That is not to say that the rest of Leviticus is boring, okay, but it does mean that we have come to the the chiastic center and now we move towards its conclusion. So we're up to chapter 20. I'll read it. I'm reading from an ESV. Tonight, okay, uh, it's 27 verses. I'll give it a go and then see how we, how we um, progress. Leviticus 20. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Say to the people of Israel, any one of the people of Israel or of the strangers who sojourns in the land of Israel, who gives any of his children to Molech, shall be put to death. The people of Israel shall stone him with stones. Now I myself will set my face against that man, and I'll cut him off from among his people, because he has given one of his children to Molech to make my sanctuary unclean and profane my holy name. And if the people of the land do at all close their eyes to all that that man has done, then when he gives one of his children to Molech and do not put him to death, Then I will set my face against that man and against his clan and will cut them off from among their people, him and all who follow him in whoring after Moloch. Now, if a person turns to mediums and necromancers whoring after them, I'll set my face against that person. I'll cut him off from amongst the people. So consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, 
because I am the Lord your God. Keep my statutes and do them. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. For anyone who curses his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. He's cursed his father or his mother. His blood is on him. If a man commits adultery with the wife of his neighbor, both the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death. The man lies with his father's wife. He has uncovered his father's nakedness. Both of them shall be put to death. Their blood is on them. If a man lies with his daughter-in-law, both of them shall be surely be put to death. They have committed perversion. Their blood is upon them. If a man lies with a male, as with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination, and they will surely be put to death. Their blood is upon them. The man takes a woman and her mother also. It's depravity. He and they shall be burned with fire, and that there may be no depravity among you. The man lies with an animal. He shall surely be put to death, and you shall kill the animal. If a woman approaches any animal and lies with it, you'll kill the woman and the animal. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood is upon them. If a man takes his sister, a daughter of his father or a daughter of his mother, and sees her nakedness and she sees his nakedness, it is a disgrace, and they shall be cut off from the sight of people, of children of their people. He has uncovered his sister's nakedness, and he shall bear his iniquity. If a man lies with a woman during her menstrual period and uncovers her nakedness, he has made her naked. He has made naked her fountain, and she has uncovered the fountain of her blood. Both of them should be cut off from amongst their people. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your mother's sister or your father's sister, for that is to make naked one's relative, and they shall bear their iniquity. If a man lies with his uncle's wife, uncover his uncle's nakedness, they shall bear their sin, shall die childless. If a man takes his brother's wife, it's impurity. He has uncovered his brother's nakedness, and they shall be childless. You shall therefore keep all my statutes, all my rules, and you'll do them, that the land where I am bringing you to live may not vomit you out. And you shall not walk in the customs of the nations that I'm driving out before you. But they did all these things, and therefore I detested them. But I said to you, you shall inherit their land, and I will give it to you to possess a land flowing with milk and honey. I am the Lord your God, who has separated you from the peoples. You shall therefore separate the clean beast from the unclean, the unclean bird from the clean. You shall not make, make yourselves detestable by beast or by bird or by anything with which the ground crawls, which I have set apart for you to hold unclean. You shall be holy before me, for I, the Lord, am holy and have separated you from the peoples, that you should be mine. A man or a woman who is a medium or a necromancer shall surely be put to death. I'll be stoned with stones, and their blood shall be upon them. This is the word of the Lord. Wow. Okay, there's a lot there. Okay, based on an initial surface reading, that is, the Peshat. Is there anything there that jumps out, guys, before we go into it? Kate from Scotland. It's, it's, a, it's another daft question, but we, we read about the clean and unclean animals, and we know that God created us all. Why did he create unclean animals? Okay, actually, great question. Why not? There you go. Okay, here we are. 
2,000 years, obviously, after Jesus, and we actually like to consider everything clean. Um, and yet we read in the text that God himself, even before the Torah, right, with Noah, there was this thing called clean and unclean. Where do they come from? What do they mean? Hey, guys, anyone want to give me a hand? Okay, here we go. Uh, uh, Vida David from England. It is me, uh, Aaron. I would suggest that, uh, for example, in the sea, you have crustaceans, crabs, lobsters, and those kind of things. In the, in the bush, we have hyena and all this, and, and, and you have pigs in that. These are cleaner animals. They go through and clean uh, old carcasses, old things. The, 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 <laughs> the crustaceans in the sea clean up the sea. So maybe this is, plays a big part in it. Okay. Uh, yes, I've also uh, read this too, that some of the animals decline, uh, declared as unclean are the sort of um, the muck dwellers, the things that um, dwell within the muck and the refuse and the, uh, the, the stuff we throw away and they, they uh, consume it all. I don't know if that's all of them. It could be. I'm not 100% sure. But, um, yeah, I've heard, that, I've heard that said before. Anybody else want to try and figure out why or have a comment as to why God would label something clean or unclean? Yes, um, Aaron. Shalom. Go for it. Shimshon, Nigeria. If we go to um, 2 Timothy 2.20, it speaks about in a great house there are um, many vessels, some gold and silver, or those who would an edge, some to honor and some to dishonor. Um, just like um, David um, explained earlier on, that's, some animals are meant to be cleaners, and um, without them, the world, the ecosystem will be seriously destabilized. But there will be sickness because no one will be able to consume those things on the land or in the waters, and it will definitely cause a very big problem. So God has put those things there. They have their purpose, but they are not meant for food. That's, uh, that's what the Bible is saying. Yeah. Excellent. Okay, here's a question now I'd like to just add in our discussion. Being unclean, does that mean you're full of sin? No. no. Correct. That's right. And so we need to make sure that when we start using the words clean, unclean, just because we hear the words unclean, we don't run to the, oh, my gosh, sinner, heretic, quick, let's take them out and smash them to bits before they pollute us. Okay. Because remember, when God made the world, he looked at it and he said, oh, wow, this is actually good. It's got pigs in it, okay? It's got mosquitoes. I mean, what, it's one of the things I'm going to ask God when he says, like, why do you call it good and mosquitoes in it? Couldn't you have said, well, it's kind of good, but if I just get this raid spray and spray it around, then it'll be, like, really good, you know? Um, but, but we don't know. But we have to remember, clean, unclean, these are distinctions, but that doesn't mean that they're full of sin. Does that help, Kate? Well, I, I was... It, what what I was wondering was is that we see, we see we have light and dark, we have good and bad, clean and unclean. Is one thing, so the clean thing, the unclean thing, is to emphasise what clean is, is to make clean, is is to explain clean. Light shines in the darkness and makes things seen. I'm That's wondering. No, it's an interesting comment you've made. Um, I remember because I hear it nearly every week. I, as some of you know, I study with a, a group of uh, rabbis from a community here in uh, um, Jerusalem. 
And they're constantly reminding me that when God created the world, he made things in couples. Yeah. And it's very difficult to understand one without the other. And just like you were saying, clean, unclean, males and females, light and darkness, heaven and earth, et cetera, et cetera. Um, they, they don't try and unpack that. They just describe it as they're in couples. So we have things called clean. We have things called unclean. There are things that we are allowed to participate in, and there are things that are forbidden. And they don't try and... Uh, uh, the good and evil is the biggest thing that we see. Yeah, I know. That, yes, yes, yes. Either Lord that's make... I was thinking. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a good tough one. Right. I've got a bunch of hand raised. We are in a, a big topic here. So let's start. Uh, Nigeria, Shimshon, Rabbi Shimshon. All right. The, the, the word clean and unclean, the way we understand it in English, is, um, it's, it's also affecting our theology about that concept. Um, when we look at Tahoe and Tame, it doesn't really, um, in the right translation, it shouldn't be clean or unclean. Um, it should be something about um, ceremonially pure and ceremonially impure. Um, so that when you look at something that is clean, um, I mean, if somebody is physically clean, it, it doesn't mean that person is not, um, you know, full of sin or something like that. So we, we need to understand it how the Torah puts it and um, the, so that the English word doesn't um, um, kind of affect our theology. But some other thing I noticed there in, in verse 25, it speaks about the land being alive. Verse 25, it, it talks about the land being alive. And that's, um, that's very huge. You know, I mean, I've read it before, but it kind of just jumped at me. At this time, we were just going through it. Yes, indeed. It said, so you shall set yourself apart, um, the clean beast from the unclean, the unclean bird from the clean. You shall not draw abomination upon yourself through beast or birds or anything with which the ground is alive, which I have set apart for you to treat as unclean. You know, it talks about the ground being alive. You know, it's, um, it kind of strikes me there. I, I, yes, I'm glad you mentioned that, Shimshon, because Leviticus has actually said it actually several times um, already. The earth is alive. And I, it's not a God. Like, no, please, no one out there in um, podcast land ever think that I'm now saying that, uh, you know, Mother Gaia Earth is alive. The earth is alive. Just like if you, if you don't water a plant, it dies, right? It was alive and then it died, right? And um, animals, you don't feed them, they die. That doesn't mean they're gods, um, but, it, but it does reflect that the very creation itself has some sort of sentience. I don't understand it, but it does have a, 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 a part to play. And, uh, and it reacts. It reacts to the humans that are on it. It reacts to the stain of sin. And as Paul himself says, Creation itself is groaning for its redemption. Creation itself is, is looking forward to the Messiah. You're looking forward to the Messiah. I'm looking forward to the Messiah. The earth itself is looking forward to the Messiah. So we really actually should do our best to take care of the earth. It's one of those sort of uh, injunctions that says, actually, let's care for this. It has, it has feelings. It's got uh, a sentience. That, so we shouldn't shouldn't rush out to destroy it. But it's very interesting. Yes, the text, the earth is alive. That's very, very good. Okay, uh, Rocky, you've got a hand raised. Rocky from Western, Canada, uh, Western America. Oops. Yeah, from Seattle. Um, well, um, the, 
shellfish such as lobster crabs other shellfish are uh filter feeders uh for the most part and they clean up the heavy metals and other garbage i call them the garbage trucks of the sea or la cucaracha del mar the cockroach of the sea um and so they clean up all those heavy metals and other toxic substances well since humans are eating so many of them now those substances are winding up in the fish yeah oops <laughs> mercury etc and then this so i think uh, the clean unclean is basically for our physical health yeah yeah a lot of them are absolutely totally and uh, and praise the lord that in his creation he has also created these things that can get rid of this garbage i mean that's actually fearfully and wonderfully made uh david vida verse 25 aaron it says you will therefore go and, 21 no 25 you will therefore put difference between clean beast and unclean and between um unclean file and clean and you shall not make soul that abominable you make your soul abominable by beast or by fowl or by any manner of living thing that creeps on the ground which i have separated from you as unclean so the whole distinction is definitely god has absolutely declared what he deems as clean and unclean for whatever reason and it's and then it goes on to, god goes on to say and that you will be holy unto me is this I'm tending to agree with what was said earlier by I can't remember the lady who said it but it seems to be that this is a thing to make the people different from the rest of the nations because holiness yeah holiness and and being a distinct people separate, separate. correct and I think that's that's and there's a because the theme of holiness isn't doesn't just resonate with the Jewish people in Leviticus right Israel can be holy and us Gentiles we can be do we can do whatever we want we're actually peter says you're called to be a holy people and he's talking to gentiles as well as jews can i ask a question why then does lord jesus it says in the new testament that he says then he declares all foods clean right foods clean but that doesn't does that mean because foods are clean now people all people are clean or just no. foods are clean? it, it right. can't yeah. no, no it can't because lord jesus specifically says to the disciples when washing their feet those who i have made clean correct yeah there's right there are several issues there you've got you've got uh uh table fellowship which has all kinds of issues during the second noble period and you've got the issue of distincting between sacred and profane uh holy and unholy which we are called to do which unfortunately if we are honest in much of our modern world we cannot distinguish that anymore which is a real shame and uh to the detriment of many of our communities and uh we as a holy people are also meant to remain distinct from the world they're meant to be able to look at us and say wow you're different why are you different i actually want to join you you're you've got yourselves together you seem to have a world view that makes everything make sense and uh and that's actually attractive the light is attractive to darkness and um all of us all over the world from all of the cultures where we come from i'm sure you could all actually admit to that how people get attracted to that okay um i find it very interesting guys um and and i'm enjoying the conversation but every time we come to wrestle with leviticus it it comes down to this doesn't it the discussions 
what really is holiness and how, how actually have we lost it in our world, which is a shame. All right, Yvonne from Brazil. Welcome, Brazil. Good to see you. Thank you. Um, yeah, I just, I still really find it amazing and very interesting, the whole concept that mixture be belongs to the divine realm. I had mentioned that in the previous study. And, um, and, and that's, we see that with the priestly clothes and the curtains in the tabernacle. Mixtures always belong to the divine realm, uh, except for things that are, they're divinely, uh, you know, anyways, um, for example, not to cross uh, boundaries with seeds, right. sexual contact, crossing boundaries. And it's interesting because in the, in, in the new heavens and the new earth, there is the tree of life that does have a mixture of seeds on the one particular tree, which I find is very interesting because um, you're not supposed to plant the fields with the different, right? All the same. Right. So to me, it has a lot to do with this this concept of border maintenance and having distinctions in God's created order. When we go out of those distinctions, then we get in trouble and things become unclean. They become unholy. For example, um, even in the classification of the animals in Levitical law, it always builds on this kind of like this earth, like a three kind of threefold division um, you know, the, the skies above the earth, you know, the, the land and the water. So you have the skies, the land, the water, the land and the waters. And, and any, any, and so unclean animals, it seems like they're not quite in tune with this division. Um, so when, when an animal doesn't follow this border maintenance, this division, then it becomes unclean, like uh, in the water, scaly fish swim with fins. Um, yeah, well, notice, notice also in, in the text when even animals, if they do things inappropriately with humans, well, and you couldn't say it's the animal's fault, even the animal needs to be put to death, right? You know, once, once you start crossing, once you start crossing that boundary and you start mixing things that shouldn't be mixed, then, then there's a very strict, very sort of, no, no, wait a second, we've got to clear this up. And it gets, it's, it becomes very quiet. Mm. Right. And so the animals, even the animals that don't follow this border maintenance, they're not, they're not suitable for eating. Um, you know, so you've got different, um, you know, the, the kind of locomotion and, and, and the, the, and its particular area of, of wherever the animal acts is actually the ones that we need to eat. Um, so any class of animal not equipped for the right kind of element is contrary to the border maintenance. That's why only mixture belongs to the holy. That's why um, things that are out of bounds to the common man, and that's why we have Abiyu and Najabi and Abiyu, they, they did border, they crossed the border with which they, they could not cross. So it's this yep. distinction in God's created order. We can't blur that. Yeah, which is, yes. Totally, which is, which is all in this text, which is, which is all in this book, actually. Exactly. So it's just so interesting that only mixture is divine. It's so mixture of the priest, the, 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 their clothing, the curtains and the tabernacle. And then again, in the new heavens and the earth, we have one tree with a variety of fruits on one tree because now it is in the divine realm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, Yvonne, you're very correct. Sorry, let me just keep this in. If you see that um, um, on the on the level of crossing, there is uh, an animal that is called the mule, 
Um, the mole is, 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 uh, is, uh, is a crossbreed between a horse and a donkey. And um, you see that a mole cannot, um, cannot have children. Yeah, it cannot um, progress from there. So because it becomes sterile and God doesn't want um, his people to become sterile. He doesn't want um, things to, to get back, you know, because they have gone out of that line. They've gone to, to, to cross each other. And now they have this mold that cannot go beyond that generation. It's going to die. It's not going to produce again. And um, it's just a law. It's just against the laws of God that um, we have people cross, crossing, you know, those boundaries. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and this border maintenance, just to, to make it clear, I mean, there's there's there is distinction between the Jew and the Gentile. I'm not saying, um, you know, these distinctions of border distinctions doesn't. Um, I mean, Goy is Goy and Jew is Jew, uh, but there are certain things that is applicable um, and it doesn't take the identity away from the Jewish people. Right. But it I doesn't. think there are right. some, it doesn't. So there, the, the, there are things that God specifically and explicitly says these are border, you know, these border classifications, this border maintenance that needs to be maintained or, or things will yeah. go into. Really quick. It's the reason I asked that question is because we were reading Genesis in church and the story of Noah. And when he was taking the animals onto the ark, I, I read it and I remember he took more clean animals and fewer unclean animals. But they were, all, they were on the earth. God took them onto the ark so that they were preserved for the earth. Now, if there is a reason why he did that, to distinguish between what is good and what is bad. In, in all of these things, he's creating the precedent. He's setting the precedent for how we should be living. And I, I think that relates to what Yvonne was saying there. It's, it's the precedent. It is. And we are called to distinguish, although let's, let's also remember at the same time as distinguishing, being unclean isn't sinful. So, so it's not that they were bad animals, just that they were unclean as a difference. But you are 100% right. We, brothers and sisters, we are all called to distinguish between good and evil and sacred and profane. And one of our problems in the modern world, my gosh, we can't do that anymore. Moti, up to you, buddy. Yeah, let's hear the voice of the halakha, okay? okay? So there's a debate on this kosher issue, and it has been there for 2,000 years, okay? More than that. So, but here's the thing. When the Messiah comes, everything will be clean, okay? But here's a debate. Right? As, as believers, let's say, the Messiah has come, right? But we are not sure if he said this, if he meant it or not. Here's the Hasidic thought. In Hasidic Judaism, if you are not sure about something, you redo it. For example, I give you an example. Let's say I woke up this morning, I start working, and I suddenly realize, oh, did I wrap my tefillin today or not? You don't say, oh, I probably did. May God Almighty forgive me. Or may God Almighty like guide me. No, you go and wrap the tefillin to make sure, to, to get rid of that down. So here we are not sure about this kosher thing for the Jews. Are we still under it or not? So we better keep it. <laughs> and this could take forever. You know, we have time, we are here, but this could take forever because they have been talking about it for 2,000 years. So we are not sure about it. So we have to keep it to some certain level. If you are Jewish, if you are not Jewish, I mean, it has nothing to do basically. It's good to know, but it's not like, it's not, it's, it's like dealing a family problem of your friend. So we have this debate. 
we always had this debate. So since we have the Messiah, and we are not sure if he really did that or not, some say, oh, it was about this Roman guy. Some say, no, he meant the food. So we are not sure. We better keep the halakha we have. So if it was just, if it's, if he really made it clear, it's good. We just kept the kosher, nothing is less. But if he, if he didn't mean it, then we got a problem if we start eating pork, you know. So that's what I, that's what I, that's what, what I think, so. Hopefully it's not, it, hopefully it doesn't sound super habani, but yeah. Excellent. Thanks, man. That's a nice comment. All right, guys. We have well, three more hands raised. My word. Okay. This is a pressing issue for us. Okay. Roddy, Roddy from Jerusalem. Hey, man. So a couple of things as the last 10 minutes went by. Um, these instructions were not given to Jews. They were given to Israelites, the people in the house of Israel, all the people, the mixed multitudes. That would be one issue I have a question I'd bring up. The next one is, um, I think that anybody who accepts a relationship with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, then these things may apply to you. Once you decide to come into a relationship with him, he's asking you to be holy as I am holy. So maybe we should consider that. And then next, when it gets to the issue of food directly, if Yeshua says, I declare all foods clean, define food for me. If I go out and I have lots of food in my refrigerator, I go out into the desert and make a big pile of cow dung, and I say, okay, that's food. Is that all of a sudden clean because I said it was food? Or do we go back to the original instructions and first pick a clean animal, prepare it properly, and then it's food? And all those foods would be clean. So these are things I think we have to consider. Roddy, in that text where it says he declared all foods clean, I think that was an inclusion, right? It's in parentheses in the Bible. So I'm not sure if that's true to, uh, to the all uh, to the text. Aaron might you might. I agree with you. I was to be nice. I don't. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's in parentheses, so it looks like it may be a comment. It's a conclusion based upon what people wanted to say. But mm-hmm. it, but let's also remember let's let's also remember the halacha that Mordecai was mentioning that even Jewish people, Jewish rabbis before Jesus, uh, were having a discussion that when the Messiah comes, what happens to, to food? And there were two traditions. One was pig remains forbidden, and another pig becomes acceptable. So Rabbi Rashi, Rabbi Rashi says, in the days of the Messiah, pig returns to Israel. So it's not as clear-cut. It's a debate, and that's what it is. It's simply a debate, but it doesn't take away. I don't want us to get sidetracked from the call, which is in Leviticus. We must learn to distinguish between good and evil. We must learn to distinguish between the sacred and the profane, because once we as a community stop doing that, then we suddenly can't distinguish between anything no one knows whether you're boys or girls. No one knows what's right or wrong. No one knows what's black or white. And oh my gosh, we have become so, so, uh, so depraved. And, um, and so we need to go back to the light. We need to go back to the way that the gods look. I've actually made creation. I have order. It's absolutely wonderful. It's good. And, uh, and this is food for you. And this is not food for you. And this is... Uh, what's beneficial and what's not beneficial. We need to learn that. And that includes everything, as we learned in um, Leviticus 19. 
We need to be holy, distinguish between good and bad in business practice, in sexuality, in family relationships, in the way we care for the land, in the way we care for the poor, in the way we approach the Lord, in the way we conduct international politics, in the way we pray, in the way we eat, in the, in the way we dress. I mean, all of those things. Um, and uh, and that it, it might seem like a lot, but it's actually uh, not as, as much as, we're, as we might think. Okay, two more hand raised, and then, truly, we will begin with verse one. <laughs> okay, so Rocky from Seattle. Okay, well, I have to agree with Roddy in that the Bible, when it states food, it is talking about clean animals and clean food, uh, and also that uh, sacrifices to the Lord um, must be specifically, um, in a lot of different ways, fit the cleanness bill. So anyway, go ahead. That's all. But no, that's true. Cleanliness, particularly in relation to a sacrifice, because it also includes to a weakening, but it also reflects what you can give God. And you can't just give God whatever you feel like. There are rules. The Lord himself says, hey, this is the sort of animals you can bring. You're correct. There is a, a type of certain types of animals that we can bring before the Lord. Okay, Avida or David? Yes, Aaron, it's me. Coming back to the idea of clean, uncleanness, cleanness, holy, profane, good, evil. If, if I look at what's going here, on here in Leviticus and I look at what Lord Jesus tells us, here in the wilderness, the Lord God in this whole thing, by making us holy, by making the people holy, and coming out of uncleanness into this area, he's actually making a people peculiar to himself, a people set apart to himself, so that they can take on his identity, the identity of the living God. Am I correct? So, so they will be set apart to do his purposes for him. In other, and, and so I see a continuation in Lord Jesus Christ where he says, all people coming to me now, there's neither Jew nor Gentile, barbarian, etc., right? because you now have the identity of Messiah, of Lord Jesus Christ. So perhaps this is what's going on here when the Lord is saying, I'm setting apart clean from unclean, holy from profane, etc." So we have to be in that image, our identity. Absolutely. And here becomes the added burden for us Gentiles. We always like to say Jews have such burdens and it's all, you know, how can they be different and not different? When we're all the same, when God makes us all the same, Yet at the same time, he says, you be a holy people. Yes, absolutely. You know how? Now, all of a sudden, wait a second, you just made me all the same. Now, how am I supposed to be completely different when you made us all the same? Well, that's an interesting discussion in itself. We are called to be a holy people. Okay, one more from Nigeria. Africa will speak, and then we will, trust me, hit verse one. <laughs> All right. Sorry. Sorry. I have to come in again. Uh, one of the um, most um, quoted scripture whenever we talk about um, um, clean food and unclean food is actually taken from Acts 10 when Peter said um, that I've not eaten anything unclean and, you know, after the vision. And of course, um, the vision there was teaching him or, or was telling him about something, it was telling him about the Gentiles. It was not um, rubber stamping the food as kosher, as every other thing becomes kosher. It was actually saying to Peter, you have been seeing this Gentile as unclean, but now they have become clean. And it was very 
expressly explained there, and um, it should not be mixed that because of that it has approved everything as um, clean. Correct. I, I would agree with you, Shim, totally on that one. All right, guys. All right. Now, before, before, before we close, thanks for the discussion. And I, I hope that those who have been listening have also wrestled with a lot of these issues, holiness, unholiness, clean, unclean, sacred, profane, uh, and, uh, and our calling as a holy people to look for distinctions. Here we go. Let's have a look at Leviticus 20. Now, remember, we're coming out of the, 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 the chiasm. So chapter 18 uh, reflects a fair bit of 20. Okay, What we saw in chapter 18 obviously now uh, appears here in 20, particularly now with the punishments. The Lord spoke to Moses. Right. Again, interesting uh, phrase, not Aaron. Right. Moses is the prophet. Aaron is the priest. He's got a certain role and a function. So now we're saying speak to Moses. But he turns around and says, say to the people, verse 2. So we're not just talking about priests. We're talking about everybody. Even though we are also a kingdom of priests, I get it. But there's also the priestly function. All of the people of Israel are meant to be uh, holy. Uh, verse 2 continues on. Any one of the people of Israel, okay, the Ezrachim, you know, the citizenry, the actual Israelite, or the Ger, the Gerim, or the strangers, well, who are they? We're going to ask that question in a minute. Who sojourns in Israel? So we understand that these are the people that are here at the moment. They might not be later, but they're here at the moment. They're here with the people of Israel, who gives any of his children to Molech, uh-oh, shall be put to death. And how are we going to do that? You know, we'll electrocute him. We'll lock him in jail for 25 years and get a lawyer. No, we will instead, the people of Israel, we will stone him with stones, which seems like um, superfluous. But anyway, uh, that's what we'll do. Okay, so who, who are these strangers? Any ideas? Okay, Mordecai, Moti, or Dan. Actually, Dan is present. How are you, buddy? You doing all right? I'm great, thank you. Excellent. But Moti did all his PhD on the gear. Yeah. So he's going to speak <laughs> about that. You know, everybody picks a topic in the issue in order to graduate. That was mine. I don't know why I chose them. Anyways, so we have different types of guests, like Ger Toshal, the Ger who sojourns, or just like in and out of the land of Israel, or the girl who lives under the Jewish sovereignty, right? It doesn't mean especially specifically in Israel. It could be anywhere in the world, and I have some examples for that. And, and another girl called girl Nitkayer, she Nitkayer, that girl basically who converted to Judaism, who went through circumcision or basically the halakha, whatever it is today, and who became a Jew. And there are two titles of him. They call it Gesadik or Gesedek, depends on your community. That means the righteous girl. But there is a mitzvah and a halakha, I mean, it's a commandment called Achavat HaGer. It's from the Bible, actually. It's, from, it's not from the oral Torah, that you have to love the girl. You cannot just say he's a girl. For example, in the community, you are not allowed to point at somebody and say he's a girl. You cannot say that. So it happened to me when I was living in Germany, there was this guy who wanted to get married with one of the nice uh, Jewish girls, and his father didn't want to let him. 
Then we had this conversation between us and the chief rabbi and that guy. And the chief rabbi asked him why. He told he told the chief rabbi he's a ger. He told him this is against Torah. You cannot identify somebody as ger. He's Jewish like you, like me even. There's no difference between us and him. And he told him if you don't let them to get married because they like each other, your daughter is not going to get married under my rabbinate. We're not going to allow it. You have to. It's from God. It's not from the rabbi. It's not like from Yehuda Anasi or something. It's not from Rashi Rambam. You have to love the ger. You have to respect because we were gerim there. We were just living in the best of them. We were slaves. So this is a very, very, very uh, interesting topic, and there's a debate on it today. There are communities who allow people to convert Judaism. There are communities who don't allow people to convert Judaism. But we have to be careful. Like, which ger are we talking about? Here we are talking about the ghetto Shah who is sojourning in and out, or just living under Jewish sovereignty. Okay. Sorry, may I ask Bodhika a question? Uh, Moti, just a question from me. It's a strange question, I know. But I see in the text it says, Hagar, Hagar, right? Of, yes. of the strangers who dwell. What is the yes. connection to that? Because it sounds very well, simple. Dwelling, like Hagar, basically, he's just living under the Jewish sovereignty. But doesn't mean it's in the land of Israel. We still have okay. this thing in, in, in America where Jews live, like, for example, Morristown, I studied there, Mansi or Williamsburg, they don't open their stores. They didn't, like, forbid them, but they told them, look, they are living among us, and it might against what we believe. And they're like these nice African-American brothers who have these barber shops in Crown Heights. They respect the Shabbat, and they don't open it because they are basically living under the Jewish sovereignty, under the Jewish council, where the Jews live the most, you know? But yeah. it's a majority. So you don't have to be in Israel. You have to be just under the Jewish sovereignty. All right. So what about the Book of Ruth? Okay, Book of Ruth. What do you mean by that, Roddy? Explain. Well, she's constantly called Ruth the Moabite. But she Correct. said, your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. Yep. He fully, 100% comes into the house of Israel still at that point in time. She is the grandmother to King David. But yes, she's still referred to as Ruth the Moabite. I believe that this goes back to the point of where we're at today. We all keep our identity. A Jew is still a Jew if he's following Yeshua. Uh, a Gentile, Arabic speaker, English speaker, French speaker from Ammon, from Jordan, from Syria or America, but you're, you're still in the house of Israel. We're all one with the Lord. We're truly one, but you keep your identity. Absolutely. This is, this is what yes. I'm seeing today anyway. No, yes. And, and I would agree with you. I also want to highlight what Mordecai said, is that when we, when we use the word ger, we have to understand, as we said, there are three types. Because even Israel, Jewish, is called a ger, right? A sojourner. So the sojourner could be just like, uh, could be just a Gentile who has been attracted and, and, uh, and joins the, mon the monotheistic tradition, like the God-fearers, as we see in the New Testament. And as you say, Roddy, they remain Gentiles, and that's okay. At the same time, there might also be those that actually want to bind themselves to the household of Israel. And actually, in Hebrew, lahit gayer, okay? There's the shoresh is there, and that means to convert to Judaism, and, uh, uh, which is an interesting word to say, isn't it? The verb, that's the verb, lahit gayer. 
okay, um, uh, to convert to becoming a gear. <laughs> By the way, I have to tell you something in this point. We are forbidden by halakha to force people to convert Judaism. So we have right. to give this as a footnote that living under Jewish sovereignty doesn't mean that Jews will force you to convert Judaism. In fact, they have to reject you three times. Yes, but it also needs to, as Roddy has also said, you have to admit what the text says in Ruth. She is always called a Moabite, right? Even though she has bound herself to the household of Israel, the text itself never distinguishes her, who she is, a Moabite, which in the Halakha, yeah. In the Midrash, she actually becomes a Moabite princess, but that's something different. Okay? And then converts to Judaism. That's well. correct. And then, and then later on, converts to Judaism. King David yeah. here, so right, right, right. not going to that. May I ask a question, Aaron, in connection with Moabites? Being a Moabite would be considered uh, like a Gentile, could it? Of course, it has to be. Yeah. Okay, so, so what we're looking at here is actually perhaps the Lord giving us a shadow type of the four of, uh, of the idea of Jew, no Jew, no Gentile in the Lord to come. Because it's, it's, I've always wondered why the Lord included a Moabite strain in the kingly line. So maybe it's, it could be a shadow type. Could be. In fact, um, uh, uh, knowing the, the four levels of Hebrew, at least four levels, of course, there's going to be. Is it not? Yes. Oh, yes. Of course, yeah. Okay. So um, looking at uh, the New Testament, are there any other passages in the New Testament, particularly, okay, and, uh, uh, because I had this discussion actually with um, Mordecai and, and Dan, oh, my gosh, it was about probably two weeks ago, we were discussing some of these themes. Do you remember what we were talking about, Dan, um, in relation to? We were speaking about sin. Yes. But we didn't, we have not quite reached that. Well, I think it was just good to note that these things are not just a history book. Yes. We were speaking about our sin is all over the Bible up to the book of Revelation, and then we went into Hebrews 10. We can read it. Should I read it? Yeah, go on. I will open it one second. It's in Hebrews 10. And these are quite scary scriptures because we hear a lot about grace and grace and grace, but we need truth mixed with that grace. Um, so it's, uh, it starts from uh, verse 26, Hebrews 10, 26. Yep. For if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of a fire which will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much severe punishment do you think he will deserve? Who has trampled underfoot the Son of God? As regarded as unclean, the blood of the covenant by which he has, uh, but by which he was sanctified, and has insulted the spirit of grace. So we were speaking more in relation to sin because there is a lot of, uh, you know, there's this theology today of hyper grace that basically allows you to do whatever you want. But grace actually empowers you to be free from sin. Now, I'm not saying that you can uh, you can be guiltless and no no longer sin at all, but there is a certain freedom that you can be in. And you absolutely, not interrupt, you absolutely right, because the Holy Spirit, as you said, is the one that empowers you to live righteously and holy. And yeah. that's what we need to be doing now as children of God with a new heart, with the, the laws in our heart, 
we hate it when we sin. We absolutely, we, every time I do something wrong and the Lord lets me know, I really grieve. I hate yeah. anything that's going to, that I think is offending God. And so that's a new heart. And we have to walk in that righteousness. And I agree with you. Grace does not cover us. And because Lord Jesus says, you know, you, you might do all these miracles, but I will say, get away from me. I never knew you, you workers of iniquity. But that yeah. then goes down to the idea that they don't understand the statement, we are saved by grace through faith. It's, yeah. it's, 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 it's exactly. So, yeah. And that's right. And faith, as we all remember, is not just a belief in your head. It's also an action. Those two things are linked. And I remember, Dan, I actually remember this conversation now. It's all coming back to me. Um, because we were looking at this, we were actually looking at this text, this 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 uh, second verse, and I was going, oh, "Who's Molech today?" Right? You know, here we got these oh, Israelites yeah, yeah. and all the the strangers. They're limp, leaped, lumped in together. They're doing something towards Molech. This is horrible. It's idolatry. And um, what are the idols we have today? And of course, oh my God, let's we could. The list is almost endless. My body, my choice. Yes, that's right. But then, and then, and then, and then you, that's right. And that's when you said, well, hang on, you know, we, we have to remember sin's actually quite horrible. You know, it still is, even to the Lord, it's not something we should continue to do. And here, here is this, this verse from Hebrews, which is very strong on, um, on idolatry, very strong on trampling the, the name of God and the, and the blood of the Messiah and the gift of grace and mercy that he has given us. I mean, you look at this text here, any people of Israel, all the strangers, we'll even get them, those, you know, those, uh, those Gentiles that have showed up. And if they engage in this idolatry to Molech, then we'll put them to death. I'm like, wow, that's a bit, that's a bit serious. Um, but there was something that, there's something about idolatry uh, and this, and the, and the, the, and 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 profaning the name of God, which is so serious that it that ends up with this punishment, and um, and it involves this this stoning, and there was a text. I think we also related it to the Book of Revelation, you know, where Jesus speaks about the you tolerate this woman Jezebel, and you know it's it's up until the end, you know the the the, the path that leads to life is narrow really narrow few who are fine it even in the church it might be very narrow so it's just something we got to be very careful of so it's good to raise awareness and remind so. too, too right and dan you're right because when i look at the verse uh 26 it says if we sin willfully it, it's, yeah. it's implying that this is this is a so-called believer that's actually doing this so you have to ask the question is, is where is this person's heart did they have a changed heart? Were they born again? Are they are they a new creature? You know, it's uh, it's it's a hard one. So I, I really don't know where they get the idea that they can they have grace and they can do what they like. It, it makes no sense to me. So right, Dan, absolutely. First, in the in the in the book of Levi, Leviticus, severally we are told that God speaking to the people, telling them, "You shall be holy, because I am the Lord your your God is holy," and it shows that we can be holy. And one of the points that uh, most um, hyper-grace um, teacher will say that no one is holy. And, you know, once they, you know, make people, pacify people, nobody can be holy. It's only God that is holy. But God is saying to us that we can be holy. And um, holiness is not how we define it. It's how God defines it. And so God calls the people holy. And God, so the people become holy. 
And um, we, we, we must all agree to the fact that um, when we talk about grace, grace is not the license to do whatever we want. Grace is the ability of God to look over our errors. Errors is not um, when you deliberately do something. When you deliberately do something, it's not an error anymore. And um, so when, when, we, when people talk about grace in the sense as if um, God is permitting a lot of things, um, it, it becomes dangerous. And that's where we find the state of the church today. Amen. Preach it, Africa. That's awesome. Yeah. Excellent. So for those, uh, I know most of you are not Anglicans here, but we really appreciate, like Shimshon's not an Anglican either, but we really appreciate the Archbishop of Nigeria, who's always a, a good, solid voice of truth in the Anglican world. So well, thanks, what Africa. Is not an Anglican? Is he not an Anglican? He's a rabbi. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when it comes to this um, um, gay stuff. Yeah. Um, the bishop in Nigeria um, in the Anglican communion has been very vocal. Um, I don't know where people find the excuse to to approve gay or, you know, you hear gay bishops and even right now you can hear about gay um, rabbis and you're wondering because it's written there in the text in black and white that you don't do this, you don't do this. And even in the New Testament, it's also written in that way. And so I don't know whether they're trying to you know, just delete some part from the Bible to, to give excuse for those things. And um, I, I don't believe that it is uh, anybody's born that way. I believe that it is lent, and uh, we've seen that it is lent. And um, yes, if people can have psychological problem, and we should look at fixing it, not um, giving approval for it. Thank you, Shimtron. And we do appreciate uh, the voice of truth that comes out of Africa, especially to the West. Appreciate it. Teresa from London. Hi. Um, I just wanted to add to that. But what I have, um, what I've encountered over here, where, of course, there's a lot of agreement in different quarters, including within some of the Anglican Church to the whole gay thing. Um, one of the excuses, which I am not justifying, I'm merely reporting, is um, it's all about love, you see, right. and, the, and the Old Testament, you know, it's inappropriate now because, you know, we're now in the modern age. That's the kind of thing I have heard. I'm not saying that's what the Anglican Church says because I, I don't exactly know where they are, you know, generally and uh, in specific cases. All I know is my church at least my our vicar before he left he was okay on on the whole issue but that that's the thing i hear and the other thing is when we talk about this issue of grace um i just feel just turn it around another way and it's always about a choice isn't it we make a choice and therefore we have to always be making the choice that is moving towards holiness and not the opposite one and i think sometimes you know, that can be forgotten, that actually we all have the, the ability to, to choose. And, uh, and I yeah, think that's... Said important. like a good non-Calvinist. But uh, no, I agree with you, <laughs> Teresa. <laughs> and, uh, I would be, I, wouldn't I, also, I, with my background? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I also, I also uh, know and, and appreciate Calvinist theology, although I don't perhaps always agree with all of it. I do believe, yes, as, as you've said, the Bible gives us a choice. And we have... And remember, God calls us to be holy. And as Shimshon says, we can be holy. And remember, verse 5 in this chapter says, I, the Lord, make you holy. So you're called to be holy. You can be holy. And God helps you to be holy. 
all and of And I'll same. never forget the shock that I had when I came out of when I joined the Anglican Church and came, you know, I'd been in the Catholic Church before, for, and this was years ago. But I remember at some point, some um, somebody who said, told me that basically, I remember saying to him, "Are you saying that I can go on sinning now?" Because, yeah. And I couldn't get my head around it. I just could never, that could never sit with me. I couldn't feel that that was right because it just, with all, with everything that I'd come, dealt with so far, I couldn't believe that. But I remember being so shocked that, and that I have still heard some of that being taught in different places, you know, when you listen to Christian radio and so on. So, yeah. Signing off from London now. <laughs> Thank, thank you, London. Okay, Brazil, Europe, and then back to England. The whole concept of <clears throat> the giving their children to Moloch. And um, I saw a statistic that says that Israel has um, more abortions than actually the, 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 than the lives that were lost in the Holocaust, um, which is tragic. But not only Israel, I know all over the world. And it's very interesting right now in the U.S., that there's the Supreme Court is there's this trying to overturn the Roe versus Wade, which permitted abortion in 1973. And it's like a big, big issue right now. And a lot of these, um, you know, very feminist um, pro, 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 whatever, pro, pro choice are hitting the streets and, you know, my body, my rights. And uh, it's very interesting that that's actually being challenged right now. Yeah. Yeah. And and truth gets lost. Let's remember what exactly road versus way is. What that does is it federalized abortion. Right. Well, what they're doing is they're overturning federalized abortion. States will still have their own individual um, rules. So, Aaron, that, that whole thing with road versus way, especially now, are we not, as, as the believers, able to see that this, this is a big battle going between dark and light here? Oh, absolutely. Totally. Preacher, brother. That's what it's all about, because these people know that they can still do it in their states. But why are they coming out? And um, if you see the whole process, I mean, somebody leaked a very confidential information from the highest courts of America, which is a very big criminal offense. But nobody's looking at that. Everybody's trying to make it look good and making the person that did it as a hero. I mean, it is terrible. America is in trouble. Um, if you see every time that we have, because if you look at this text, it's, it's start talking about um, sexual sins. Every time you have sexual sins, then the children suffer. Either they suffer in form of abortion or they suffer in, um, in terms of not having the right parents to, to, to bring them up. The children always suffer when it comes to sexual sins. And that's what God is speaking here. I, 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 and I, I don't know why America can't get it right. Uh, you know, it's such so sad. Yeah. And so, Lord, please be merciful and gracious with America and give those leaders wisdom. Amen. 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 You're, it's an interesting comment. Who is Molech in our current age? Um, one leap we leap to, obviously, is to the abortion issue and the sacrificing of children. Although, as um, uh, Shimshon also noted, we have lots of other things that sacrifice our children. Okay, um, uh, where we tear families apart, uh, where we put lots of social pressures on them to succeed and, and develop in certain certain ways, where we lie to them in our education system, where we say we're actually making them smart, but we're not, and um, and uh, and and uh, and all of those things create um, victims of our children when that's not meant to be. We're actually meant to 
protect them, nurture them, teach them, bring them up, guard them, um, turn them into holy men and women of God. And uh, that's actually our role. Okay, Mordecai and or Dan. Yeah, Mordecai. We feel like David Butterfield now. You usually ask them which one is going to speak now. <laughs> it's so difficult to identify. But anyway, you are not alone, Butterfield family. So, so it was me. So I'm glad you asked that question, who is Molech today? Because we need to ask two questions. Who are the Amaleks today? And who is the Molech today? Because we see Molech and Amaleks like all over the Bible, but it doesn't always mean that we are specifically talking about Molech. You know, but Molech was an idol god and people used to sacrifice their kid to them. But here it means idolatry in general. You know, when the law says you need to find the Amalek among us and destroy it in, in your generation. What do you mean in my generation? In my generation, we don't have Amaleks. I, I, they say it's Rome. They say it's Rome, isn't it, Marty? They say what? That uh, Amal the Amal Amalekites are Rome today or Rome? Like yeah, I've heard some rabbis mention that. Different rabbis say different things, Ivan. Fine, I understand. Yeah, so when, when um, what's his name? Who was the former leader of Iran who wanted to wipe Israel off the map? Ahmadinejad. Okay. So, yeah, he was declared by, by some rabbis in Israel to be the modern-day Amalek. He said, he's Amalek. And, uh, and then guess what happened to him? He just disappeared. You know, and then so these rabbis went, oh, well, actually, maybe he wasn't. You know, so, but yeah, you got, you got to keep an eye out for him. That's true. But sometimes, you know, we do point the finger and perhaps we got it. Sometimes we get it wrong. <laughs> All right. Amalek will always appear. Amalek will always appear in every generation. Amalek was, um, was Hitler. Amalek can be um, Ahmed Dinejad. Amalek can be anyone that wants to kill Jewish people. And we always have people in every generation that wants to destroy the Jewish people. So it's Amalek in, in a way. It's a spirit. It's a spirit. The spirit of Amalek, yeah. And the spirit of Molech, correct. All right, Vida or, or David? I find it fascinating in verse 4. It goes on to say, And if the people of the land do anyway hide their eyes from this man who gives his seat to Moloch, and kill him not, then I'll set my face against that man and against his family. So it's not just the person doing, doing the deed, but it's also if we just like, oh, you know, I'm not going to get involved. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't agree with it, but I'm not going to say anything. Could that be it? Because in Revelation, it goes on with the woman Jezebel. It says, and she and the, you tolerate that woman Jezebel. Yeah. You're not yeah. doing what you do. You just tolerate it. Mm -hmm. So do you think we as a church are very guilty of this verse? Become bystanders, basically. We we just in, we just we we don't want to say anything or rock the boat or do anything to offend, so we don't say anything. We just we won't do it. Kind of attitude. Yeah, that word. That's the word that um, it's everywhere. Tolerance, tolerance. You go everywhere. They are saying it everywhere in the in the union in the in UN. They say you have to be tolerant. You have to be tolerant, and uh, I think we're just being tolerant. <laughs> You are accused of being judgmental. If you raise many issues, you are being judgmental. It's not right. that you're raising a truth. You're judging somebody. Yeah. Well, why not? Well, there's, there's something that, two things that actually strike me so often is, is when I, whenever I looked at the wall of the, the righteous among the nations, is, is so few and so, so few who are righteous and so many who are bystanders. 
And also, I think it's in Yad Vashem where I saw that one thing that stuck out for me completely and exists. It was, it was a, a statement that said, go and tell uh, somebody or the people what, what Amalek has done to us. Yes, absolutely. There were a lot of great comments there. Uh, to try and summarize it, although I don't think I actually have to, um, these verses that we read in verses 3 to 5, we see um, a, a group of people who ignore, tolerate, condone, or just simply be silent. And one of the great sins of the church is silence. You know, sil- we, we can't let silence be an affirmation. But that's what happens. If we say nothing, then we actually are essentially affirming. And I think, well, I think we all agree here, and, and there will be those that perhaps listen and might even disagree. But the, 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 the actual same theology, the same warning is here in Leviticus. If you condone this, this is bad. I'll turn my face. I mean, think about it. The Lord God himself will say, you know, I'm not going to, um, um, I'm going to set my face against this guy. Right? Okay, that's a horrible thing. And then in Revelation, we're warned by the Messiah to the church. Okay, let's remember who Revelation is talking to. We're talking to the, the believers here. Okay, there's these seven churches. He says, you tolerate Jezebel. How'd that happen? You know, um, I told you the truth. You have the gospel. You have the Holy Spirit. You've got the word of the Lord. You've got a whole sacred history of learning how to distinguish between right and wrong. And you've got all of the sacred history of the Jewish people where they didn't get it right, okay? There's some, we always like to highlight the Jewish people when they got it right, and that's fantastic. The glory days of David, the glory days of Solomon, it's fantastic. Fantastic. But there's also the, the warning we get from the sacred history of the Bible where we realize if we sink into idolatry and we fail to, uh, to, to call evil evil, when we fail to distinguish right from wrong, um, this is what happens to our society. We tolerate the Jezebel spirit, and we're in trouble. Yeah, we're definitely in trouble. May the Lord have mercy, because uh, he is he's very gracious. But there's, this is uh, something that's supposed to inspire us all, brothers and sisters, to motivate ourselves and our communities, to actually go back to um, our calling, because that's what, remember, that's what Vayikra is, and he called. We're called to be a holy people. We're called to distinguish good from evil. We're called to work out um, what is right or wrong and proclaim it and also share hope. You know, you're living in darkness. That's not such a good thing. I've got the light. Come over here. Much better world. Much better life. Okay? There is forgiveness. There is mercy. And there is grace. Thank you for listening. Our sermons and Bible studies are on all your favorite podcasting platforms. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. Sermons can also be found on YouTube. Follow us on Facebook for alerts on live streams. If you are blessed by these teachings, please prayerfully consider giving toward the work of Christchurch. Visit ChristChurchJerusalem.org. Blessings from the City of the Great King.